Hello, I'm Neil Aitchison and welcome to another Warwick podcast. The subject of this podcast is whether the UK's psychiatry and mental health services are racist, with more people from ethnic minorities diagnosed with mental illness and detained under the Mental Health Act than white people, one explanation is that the service is indeed racist. Here to talk about his research into the subject and his forthcoming work in the area is Swaran Singh, Professor of Social and Community Psychiatry at the Health Sciences Research Institute at the University of Warwick's Medical School and a consultant psychiatrist. Swaran, just explain your methodology then and the sort of latest work that you've carried out. We conducted a systematic review and a meta-analysis. And as you know, a systematic review is a structured way of collecting all the evidence that has been published in a particular area. And we did that from 1985 till 2005. The Mental Health Act came into being in the UK in 1983. And we pulled all the papers that pertain to comparing different ethnic groups and their detention rates in the UK. And the papers which had data in them, we pulled out the data and pooled it together to conduct what is called a meta-analysis. A meta-analysis is a way of combining studies in such a way that you get larger sample size, so you have more um, robust evidence, your numbers are larger. And so what is is the evidence then that more people from ethnic minorities communities are diagnosed with mental illness or are detained under the Mental Health Act than white people? Yeah, these are two separate um, questions. The, the rates of psychotic disorders, which are a particular kind of mental disorder, serious mental disorders include things like schizophrenia and mania, are high in ethnic minorities in the UK. But this is not an ethnic-specific issue. It is a migrant-specific issue. The rates of psychosis are high in all migrant groups across the world. So while the rates are high for, um, say, blacks in the UK, they're also high for Scandinavians who move from one Scandinavian country to another or for Greenlanders who live in um, Denmark. So it, it, it seems to be something to do with an outsider status, being an outsider and coming into a country. Um, this has been <clears throat> known for about 20 years now, and the first of um, such findings was published in, in the UK. How much higher, then, are the rates of mental illness amongst those immigrant groups than, uh, than compared to the white population? Okay. Again, uh, I must emphasize we are talking about psychotic disorders. And very broadly, as compared to the white population in the UK, white British population, the rates of psychosis are six to eight times higher among the uh, black Caribbean and black African uh, patients and about 2.5 times higher in white Irish patients and about twice as high in patients of Asian uh, background. So there is, even within ethnic minorities, there is a differential effect. And what about the numbers then of people detained under the Mental Health Act, another area that you've looked into? How do the various race groups uh, compare there then? Our findings show that black Caribbean and black African patients are four times more likely to be detained than white patients, and Asian patients are twice as likely to be detained as white patients in the UK. Uh, and what does your study show that are the causes for that then? What's the, 
the main cause and the other subsequent causes for those high rates of detention and psychosis among ethnic minority groups. Well, well again, I'd like to separate the two. The rates of uh, high rates of psychosis, the causal agents are very different from the high rates of detention. Both these findings are quite robust and we are not the first ones to say it. And for a long time now, the received explanation is that these high rates represent entrenched discriminatory attitudes within psychiatry. Um, so the view is that um, psychiatrists who are predominantly white and are culturally insensitive and rigid in their outlook misunderstand unusual behavior of ethnic minorities and misconstrue it as an illness when it is not. The argument is that ethnic minorities are misdiagnosed when they don't have psychosis. And having misdiagnosed them, then the services are heavy-handed uh, in their treatment and so tend to use coercive methods for treatment. Now, this has been um, so widely accepted that the government uh, has an entire strategy based upon reducing discrimination within mental health services. When you look at it a bit closely, there are high rates of psychosis in all migrant groups, not just blacks. So it's not a black and white issue. It is to do with social causes, which include social exclusion, marginalization, family breakup, drug use, um, all of which may be selectively high, and deprivation, all may be selectively high in some some ethnic minority groups. And so social marginalization and exclusion does play a part in the high rates of psychosis, but that is in the society at large, not in mental health services. By the time people come to the attention of the services, they have already developed the illness. So the damage of that exclusion and marginalization has been done. It's a, it's a factor of social adversity. We know that social adversity is a risk factor for psychosis. And immigrant groups tend to experience much more social adversity than other groups. Social adversity like uh, family breakdown. Like, like family breakdown, like deprivation, like social exclusion, like poor educational and vocational achievement, like drug use, like urban upbringing. Urban upbringing is a risk factor for psychosis. And ethnic minorities seem to be concentrated in deprived inner city areas. So they are at higher risk of illness because they are exposed more to the risk factor that cause the illness. And detention under the Mental Health Act then? Now what are the causes there then? Right. We know that what contributes to detention is if people come to the services late, more acutely ill, more severely ill, uh, at greater risk and without the help of community alternatives to inpatient treatment. So, for instance, we know that if you live alone, you don't have a family member who can identify early warning signs of an illness, you don't have someone who will go and seek help on your behalf, and you don't have someone who will negotiate the pathway into care, then you are likely to come to the service in a crisis when you are more likely to be detained under the Mental Health Act. Now, these factors are differentially greater in some ethnic minority groups. So, young men living alone in inner city areas, not registered with a GP, not having a family member, socially isolated, are more likely to come to the services late, in a crisis, and when more severely ill. And that is, a, that is the explanation for why some groups have higher rates of detention than others. 
And one example that you flag up in your work is members of the Pakistani community that go to their local mosque for help uh, in mental illness to begin with. What sort of effect does that have on detention? Well, I, nobody has looked at it directly. Uh, but if they if they were guided um, that the, the correct treatment for the illness would be to come to a psychiatrist, I presume we would be picking up patients early. If, on the other hand, such efforts at help-seeking delayed, uh, they're coming to the services and they came in a crisis, I think that could contribute to higher detention rates. So it's not a simple um, uh, simple matter of you know going to the mosque necessarily contributing to worse outcome. We are trying to look at it. We are trying to look at where people go when they first become ill. Tied in with this is families' understanding of mental illness. Some families will see it as a problem residing in the individual. They'll say this is bad behavior, this is laziness. Others will see it much more in medical terms. So we are also trying to check in our new project whether the way a family understands the emerging signs of a mental illness determines how they seek help. Unfortunately, the charge of racism in psychiatry has deflected attention from all these factors that operate at a societal level, uh, which play a huge part in how people come to us. So we are trying to move the debate away from simple discrimination in psychiatry to seeing what happens in larger society when people become ill and how do they seek help. Where does this leave this claim of racism then in mental health services? We've asked people who make the claim for racism to come up with evidence because as far as we can tell, the evidence does not support the charge of racism. What the evidence suggests is that there are perfectly credible alternative explanations why ethnic groups may differ in the incidence of psych, uh, serious mental illness, in pathways to care, and in outcomes. And these cannot all be attributed to racism within services. So how has that notion then affected the provision of mental health services for people from ethnic minorities? Well, I think it's been very damaging. The claim is erroneous, uh, it is not evidence-based, and has been clearly counterproductive. I know in my clinical service the number of patients who mistrust psychiatry. What the claim has done is to drive a wedge between people who need our help and us and services. And we very strongly argued that instead of improving services, this claim has been a barrier for ethnic minorities accessing help. We are all in this together. We want to make sure the services for ethnic minorities improve. Ethnic minority patients are entitled to a good service. And we can only do that when we realize we are both on the same side. By claiming that psychiatry service, psychiatric services are racist and discriminatory, we just drive people away. And, and it, it is counterproductive. And what are you doing now then? What's your new work that uh, will be looking into this area? And what are you going to be studying in it? We have a series of projects um, over three and a half years, which will be conducted in Birmingham. Uh, and, the, and the project grant has been awarded to Warwick University. We will look at whether there are differences at the family and societal level which contribute to different ethnic groups coming to services through different pathways. So we are going to try and understand how families uh, attribute emerging signs of illness. We are trying to understand whether different ethnic groups have differing levels of availability of community provision which could prevent uh, inpatient admission. And most importantly, we are going to ask ethnic minority groups themselves, how would you like services to improve?
what would you like us to do? So we are shifting the debate away from racism to here we are, here are the services, we want to help you, let's work together, tell us what we need to do to make sure that you get the help that you need. And what effect could that have on the provision of care and services for ethnic minorities? I think in time it could transform the way uh, services are managed. The first thing it, it would do is is to build bridges and break that wall of mistrust that has been created between ethnic minority communities and services. Second, services will understand how best to ensure that we reach out to our patients. So if we understand that patients are seeking help in uh, different avenues in the in, in, in the community, we will build community engagement programs to ensure that if a patient goes to a mosque or a church, then we can ensure that people who give them advice there understand the nature of mental illness and how to get help. I think the the most important thing that we will do is to create to create a kind of therapeutic optimism that services are out there to help that people who are seriously mentally ill need the help of psychiatric services. So I think we will move from a situation of mistrust and allegation and counter-allegation to therapeutic optimism and hope. <laughs>